the Jets have their best roster in more than a decade. You can probably guess why, but I'll still explain it on today's episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Wednesday, May 17th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Thanking you so much for making this show your first listener, first watch every day. You can subscribe to this podcast for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you're listening to the show, please give it a five-star review wherever you are listening. Or if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help the podcast out and help other Jets fans find us. Today we have our weekly mailbag show. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. Each Wednesday we try and do a mailbag with listener questions. Our first question, how do you rate the overall strength of the roster? My personal assessment is that it's the best we've had since the Rex days, but I'm curious if I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a bit based on Rodgers and the fact the Jets have been so woeful over the last decade. It's really not much to say that this is the best roster since X day. What do you think? I would agree that this is the best roster since the Rex Ryan days. And I think the fact that the roster has been so bad makes that a bit of an easier assessment to make. I mean, we're competing against Adam Gase rosters. We're competing against John Idzik rosters. I mean, those are not really very difficult bars to clear. I think that the biggest competition since the Rex days would clearly be the 2015 roster. And I think of Jets teams over the last 30 years, the 2015 team is up there with the 2004 team as far as most underrated Jets teams I think that the 2015 team did not get the amount of respect it deserves in part because they played such a terrible week 17 game against Buffalo and they missed the playoffs. They, I mean, they, they, the playoffs were there for, for the taking. They were playing against a very mediocre Bills team and they, they played a really lousy game. So I think that left everybody with a negative feeling about the 2015 team. But that was a very solid football team. I think I would take the 2023 Jets though, at least on paper right now over the 2015 team. Now I think... The 2015 team is probably stronger at more positions. I I would take their defensive line over the 23 Jets. I mean, not that the 23 Jets defensive line is weak, but the 2015 Jets defensive line had Muhammad Wilkerson when he was playing his best football. It's very easy to forget how good Muhammad Wilkerson was early in his career because of how badly his career ended. They had Sheldon Richardson. They had a rookie, Leonard Williams. They had uh, Snacks Harrison. It was a tremendous defensive line. I think linebacker was also better with David Harris in the mix. Uh, It was a very solid linebacking uh, core led by Harris. The offensive line was better. That was the end of DeBrickishaw Ferguson. It was the end of Nick Mangold. So you were getting quality play near the end of their careers. Receiver was deeper with uh, Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. And that was, that was the greatest one-two punch I've ever seen the Jets have. I mean, that, that one-two punch was actually better than Keyshawn and Corbett. That's how good they, they were for that one season. And Marshall had maybe the most dominant season I've ever had a Jets receiver, I've ever seen a Jets receiver have. And then, at running back, he had Chris Ivory, so I may take the 23 Jets because you have Brees Hall and you have a couple of talented guys behind him, but you know, Chris Ivory was a good back. I, I loved Chris Ivory, and Bilal Powell was behind him. That, 20, that 15 Jets team was really solid, but even though I think they were stronger at more positions, I think that the 23 Jets are stronger at positions that make a bigger difference, in particular, quarterback and cornerback. Now, in 15, the Jets had Ryan Fitzpatrick who had probably the best season of his career, at least to that point. He set a number of Jets franchise records, which 
you know, I don't know how impressive it is because Jets have struggled with their quarterback play a bit. And I expect Aaron Rodgers to break a lot of Jets franchise records this year. But Aaron Rodgers or Ryan Fitzpatrick, as good as Ryan Fitzpatrick was before Week 17 in Buffalo that year, Aaron Rodgers just takes you to a different level. And so even though the offensive line's weaker this year, even though the receiving group's not as good because you don't have Marshall and Decker, you still do have Garrett Wilson, but you know, I think you take Marshall and Decker over Wilson. Uh, Rodgers over Fitzpatrick is just such a big gap that it, it really makes a big difference for me. And then on the other side of the ball, the Jets' corners in 2015 were actually led by Darrell Rivas, who had re-signed. He came back to the Jets for a second stint, and it was not vintage Rivas. He was no longer the best corner in the NFL, but people kind of forget he actually was a pro bowler in 2015. He still was probably a top 10 corner at that point of his career. He was still pretty good, but he was, I don't think he's at Sauce Gardner's level right now. And on the other side, Antonio Cromartie was actually the Jets' number two corner that year, he had returned to the Jets. He was also on his second stint with the team. He had left to go to Arizona. He spent one season in Arizona, and then he came back for 2015, and it was over for Cromartie. I mean, he was finished. So you got DJ Reed on the other side, and then in the slot you had Buster Screen. I like Michael Carter the second. And I think if you look at the way these teams line up, quarterback and cornerback are two of the top four most important positions on most football teams. And you could argue that they're in the most, two most important spots. I don't think anybody would question that quarterback's the most important spot. And the gap between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Aaron Rodgers is so big that I think it actually makes up most of the difference in the talent level. Even if the twenty, even if the 15 Jets had a, had a more balanced roster, I think the difference between Rodgers and Fitzpatrick is so great that it moves the needle a lot for the 23 Jets. And then corner, while Revis was still pretty good, he wasn't vintage Revis. And I think Sauce is better. I don't think Sauce is better than 09 or 10 Revis. I think Sauce is better than 15, Revis. And then the rest of the corner group was just not that good. Buster Screen actually had a good start to 15, but after the first month or so, he his play kind of fell off, and he was never that good again for the Jets. So I do think it's the best roster since the Rex days. I don't think it's as good as the Rex days. And I think it, as big as the gap is between Mark Sanchez and Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, people forget that 2010 Jets team, I will maintain this forever. I think that team in 2010 was the most talented roster in the NFL. And it obviously did not last. But, I mean, that team, they had the best offensive line in the league. I mean, they were anchored by young Nick Mangold, a young DeBrickishoff Ferguson. Uh, you had Damian Woody, who was playing at a high level, even though he got hurt in the playoffs. You, you had Brandon Moore, really good. I don't know if you remember Brandon Moore. Brandon Moore was a tremendous right guard. And Matt Slauson, who was okay at left tackle, but that was a great offensive line. On the defensive line, you had a lot of good players. You had Sean Ellis, who was still... It was last his last season with the Jets, but he was still very good. Uh, you had Sione Puha, an excellent nose tackle, Mike DeVito. The, the good defensive line. Linebacker core, David Harris and Bart Scott. Vintage Revis and Cromartie on the outside at corner. I mean, that that group, the, the vintage prime Revis and Cromartie, that, they actually could match up with Sauce and DJ. They actually might be better uh, than Sauce and G, DJ. And then at, on the other side of the ball, at the receiver position, you had two first-round wide receivers with you know good pedigrees in Braylon Edwards and Santonio Holmes and Jericho Cochabri. And you had Dustin Keller at tight end. It was like the one time the Jets had a decent tight end in all the time I've been watching them. So I don't think it's as good as the, 10, the 2010 team. So I think, I think that's the right way to put it. I think if I was lining up the best Jets team since 2010, 2010 would be number one. I think this roster, now we'll see how they play. You know, you, you never know how they're going to play, but... On paper, this roster is probably the second best roster since 2010, only behind that that 
second Rex team that was, for my money, the most talented team in the NFL that year. And then third, I think, would be 2015. So that, that's where I'd rate them. I think it's very fair to say. And I think if you look at this team right now, I would guess they're probably somewhere around fourth best in the AFC. I'd probably, I'd definitely put them behind Kansas City. I'd, pro- I'd definitely put them behind Cincinnati. I think Buffalo is interesting. You know, I think there's a case to be made that maybe Buffalo falls back this year. And that's, that's going to be a big deal because obviously the Jets play in the same division as Buffalo. So I think the Jets are in like that, that tier where they're not the favorite. But if things fall into place, they could have a really big season. I think I think the the ceiling. I never really like using the term ceiling, but I think the ceiling for this team is a Super Bowl potentially. I think they have, and I think you know, if you're dealing with a 39, 40 year old quarterback, it's got to be right. So I think that that's probably where the Jets fall. I think that they're a team that's they're not they're not the most likely team to go to the Super Bowl. I think that if enough goes right for them and enough goes wrong for their competitors, they could be in the mix. So that, that's where that's where I rate them relative to the rest of the league, but relative to the other Jets rosters, I'd say, you know, I'd, I'd say this is the best since 2010. Now, head here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we'll continue our weekly mailbag. We're going to talk about this roster's age. We'll talk about some of the concerns the Jets may have about this, some of the potential pitfalls, and some some things that really aren't that big of a deal. That's as we continue on this Wednesday mailbag edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. Today's episode of Locked on Jets is brought to you by Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. Built, you've got to try this. Built Bars are absolutely amazing, and because it's because they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in amazing flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. And somehow, even though these bars taste great, they also maintain amazing macros. And what's better is most bars are only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait for a box. For years, you've been he- hearing me talk about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Well, you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. So now head to your nearest Walmart, walk into the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. Or if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box of hip flavors like brownie batter puff or churro puff. You can thank me later. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen every day. We move on with our weekly mailbag show. Our next question, John, you've mentioned concerns about your about your concerns about the age of the team. I agree with those concerns, but thinking it through, most of the starters, with the exception of left tackle and quarterback, are relatively young, with the old guys being rotational guys and depth players. Do you think it seems like a reasonable compromise to me, targeting young players at the key positions while bringing in cheaper veterans who are known quantities to try and fill in the gap the team has? trying to draft guys to replace them over time. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's any way around it. This is this is quite an old roster. I, I think any way you slice it out, this is going to be one of the oldest teams in the NFL. Maybe it might even be the oldest team in the NFL by opening day. And, you know, we could say with the exception of left tackle and quarterback, well, those might be the two most critical positions on the offense, where you have the oldest quarterback in the NFL and the guy who actually, if Jason Peters retires, will be the oldest offensive lineman in the NFL in Dwayne Brown. So I actually looked this up a couple weeks ago, and I looked at like the median age of each starting position in the NFL, and there for starters at each position in the NFL, and of the 22 projected starters the Jets have, only seven of them were below the median age. Um, and you could get to eight if Joe Tipman beats out Connor McGovern, but it shows you the Jets are an older team. Um, so my, my concerns with this are threefold, and I'll take you through the concerns that are the smallest to the concern that's the biggest. So the smallest one, and this is really kind of a minor one, is older players 
tend to get injured at a higher rate than younger players. I'm not overly worried about that one because you know football's a sport with injuries. It's tougher. The recovery time's greater when you're an older player. You're more likely to get banged up. But of course, younger players can also get injured. Older players can stay healthy. So that's that's a mild concern. A larger concern is when you deal with older players, the potential for decline is greater. Just because they could be at the end of their athletic prime. They could be at the end of their career. I mean, we've already seen Brown kind of deteriorate a bit. Um, you know, it, there's, all, there's just a risk of decline when you're depending on too many older players. The biggest concern is more long run. And listen, I think that the way the Jets have operated this offseason, they've been trying to maximize their 2023 roster. And I think, it, you know, at some point it does kind of come at the expense of, down, of what's going to happen down the line. Um, and I think whenever you have an older roster, when you have this many old players, it means that you have more to turn over. It means you have more, more players you need to replace quickly. And the Jets have pushed a lot of their cap hits to the future. And they've also given away their first round pick for next year. So that's those are my concerns really more with the age of the roster. Um, it, the, the Jets are going to be an older team. I think people overestimate. I think one of the things is people look at this and they say, well, that guy, you know, they say, well, this guy's only 28. This guy's 27. That's old for the NFL. I mean, in the NFL, the average player is like 25, 26. And it's not necessarily that having one player who's a year older makes that big of a difference. But when you have, you know, start having three, four, five players who are maybe a year or two older than the median, and then a couple guys, you know, maybe three or four guys who are more than four years older than the median, those things start to add up. And those are my concerns with the roster. And I think, you know, for 2023, as I mentioned in the first segment, I think that the Jets should have a very good team this year. My concerns with the Jets are more, you know, longer term, because, as you mentioned, the interesting thing is, as I mentioned, there were seven players who are younger than median, those are all the Jets' really good players. That's Sauce, that's uh, Garrett, that's Brees. It's like it's like everybody was really good for the Jets as a young player. So, you know, I probably, you know, I would have preferred the Jets continue to just try and build up the young talent on the roster, and it seems like they've kind of gone more of a direction where they're looking for immediate returns, and that's, you know, that's the choice, that's the path that they've taken. It could be successful, but there probably will be a price down the line for that. And that's just, you know, that's just the way it is. Um, you know, every move you make has drawbacks. If you go with a really young team, you don't have experience. The Jets tried that a couple of years ago and, you know, they won, they won four games. They went with the youngest roster in the NFL. I prefer, it's just me. I prefer a more balanced approach. This approach could work. And if everything falls into place, the Jets could have a very good team this year. But I think there's, I think it's difficult to say that the Jets don't have an old team. They, they just do. They will. And that comes with some, Good things, it comes with some things that don't matter, but it also comes with some dangers, and I think it's fair to say that. Next question, did the Jets make a mistake holding on to Zach Wilson on draft day instead of flipping him to whatever team they could just to save $20 million over the next two seasons? That's money that could go to re-signing Quinn and Williams or other deserving folks. So if you add up Zach Wilson's cap hits for the next two seasons, it comes to about $20.5 million. The thing about that, though, is the Jets would not have decreased their their cap hits by 20.5 million around 11 million of dollars of that is signing bonus money or it's bonus money so essentially bonus money becomes dead money if you get rid of a player so the Jets really would have only been saving about nine million dollars over the next two years the other 11 million dollars they still would have taken on as dead money so I think that that factors into it I think if the Jets actually could have saved the full 20 million then that may have been a situation where you look to get rid of Zach Wilson but we're talking $9 million over the next two seasons. Even in a situation where the cap's probably going to be pretty tight, 
I think Zach Wilson's worth holding on to. I think it's worth trying to de- develop him. I don't want to overstate how optimistic I am about Zach Wilson, but I always think it's good to have a quarterback you're trying to develop. I think that makes sense. So while Zach Wilson's already on the roster, he's a raw, very raw player, makes sense to try and develop him on the practice field and see what you can get out of him. You know, if you can't get anything, then you can't get anything. You know, the cost of obtaining Zach Wilson's already gone, but you're not saving. Two, I think the key point here is that you're not you're not really saving twenty million dollars. You'd really only be saving nine million over the next two seasons. So, at that price, I, I'm just inclined to keep Zach Wilson. I, I would probably find another backup quarterback because I do feel like Zach Wilson just needs to sit. He needs to work on the practice field. I think late last season we saw that throwing him into games as you're trying to kind of reconstruct him. It's probably not going to do him any benefit. So that I, I would be looking for another for a different backup quarterback, but I don't have a problem with keeping Zach Wilson at this point because you're really not saving a lot of money. That's money that's money that's money that's already been spent. Now, head here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we will close out our weekly mailbag. We're going to talk about the Black Friday game. Jets are playing Miami this year, the day after Thanksgiving. Is it too much? on the NFL schedule. Should the NFL look to scale this thing, these things back? I'll give you some thoughts as we continue this Wednesday mailbag edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Wednesday. We're doing our weekly mailbag show. Our next question, John, do you think the Black Friday game and other random games that the NFL is throwing out there is risking the league overexposing itself? Do you think it will end up costing the league viewership in the long run when you don't just have one day Sunday to watch the NFL? That's a great question. I think that the issue with the NFL right now, and I think you saw it a little bit last year, and I think you've seen it in recent years with the, the addition of Thursday night football, there are only so many games to go around. And when you start adding extra time slots in, you really stretch the schedule thin because ideally what you're looking for is you're looking for at least one good game in every time slot. You want a good game on Thursday night. You want a good game on uh, Sunday afternoon at 1, you want a good game Sunday afternoon at 4.30, you want a good Sunday night game, you want a good Monday night game. At some point, you run out of good games. And, that's, and then you start adding games in on Friday, and then on Thanksgiving, you have two other games on Thursday. I mean, you, there's just not enough games to have a compelling matchup at each of these time slots. I think it's interesting that they're playing on, on Friday afternoon, Black Friday. Apparently, the Jets, if you've been following the news are hoping to become the permanent host of the Black Friday game. As you know, as you may know, Detroit and Dallas are traditional Thanksgiving afternoon games. They host those games every year. The Jets are kind of trying to become the the Black Friday host. I think that would be kind of cool. I, I like the idea of having a traditional game. Um, but I don't think the, I don't think they're going to get it because it, from the reports that came out, and it was on Adam Schefter's podcast, there was an NFL executive who spoke about it. The Jets, are, there are other teams interested in hosting a Black Friday game. And when the NFL first created the Thanksgiving night game, this was in 2006. Prior to 2006, it was just Detroit and Dallas on Thanksgiving. And then in 2006, they created this, the Thanksgiving night game. A lot of teams wanted to host it. So the NFL just decided, to be fair, we got to move this thing around. I think in general, you, you run the risk of stretching yourself too thin. I don't think it's a big deal on Thanksgiving weekend when you know, it's a special weekend where you want to you know, you want to play a lot of games. But I, I think that the NFL runs into trouble. If they, I think where they would run into trouble if they tried to create like a Friday night football package or a Tuesday night football package. I think I think we are pretty much maxed out unless the league expands. And that's... It, the league may expand, then that's a whole other story we can, we can get into later. But I, I just don't... I think with the current state of the league, they're, they are running a risk. And I think even... You, you've, seen, you've even seen this with Thursday night football. At some point, you just get stretched a little too thin and you don't have enough matchups to 
fill every time slot. All right, and our last question. John, I'm torn between wanting the Jets to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and being highly frustrated with Woody Johnson and Joe Douglas and the rebuild to nowhere, knowing we are losing our first-round pick and have to have huge cap hits later on. So part of me wants it to be a disaster, so Woody fires Joe Douglas and gets a new general manager. What should I do? Well, that one's an easy one. Root for the Jets to win a Super Bowl. Been 50 years. Listen, I think everybody would sign up. I'm not going to lie. I mean, yeah, the Jets are putting themselves in a tough spot a year a year or two down the line. But if they win the Super Bowl, it's going to be worth it. You're going to love it. It's it'll be. There's no price you can pay that's bigger than winning a Super Bowl. So it'd be great. So don't even question this one. I, I I don't even know how to. I don't know how to answer it beyond saying you root for the Jets. This is going to be a fun season. Well, worry about the future in the future. I mean, what's done is done at this point. So worry about the future then. Enjoy the year. We got Aaron Rodgers. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. Please give the show a five-star review if you're listening on a podcast source and enjoy it, or a big thumbs up for this episode if you're watching on YouTube. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.